Glad you're here. I know a lot of you are new. We're going through the book of Song of Songs. It's an Old Testament book about uh, love and romance and even sex. You know, the, the relationships sometimes develop in the context of exercise. Right now, there may be some people running the Chicago Marathon together who fell in love while they were training, and now they're out running. There may be husband and wives who've exercised together their whole uh, lives, and now they're running the marathon together. What a great, great love story that is. And my wife and I met in the context of exercise. We were 15 years old, met in North Richland Hills, Texas at Richland High School. We were both on the tennis team at 15. And now, 30 years later, we are still exercising together, a little slower, as we run together, more like a jog. But this is a story of my wife and I, when we saw each other on the tennis court with the smell of tennis balls in the air, we knew that when we first saw each other, that we were going to get married. And ever since then, our marriage has been perfect. What are you laughing about? That is so rude. All right, I'm, I'm just messing with you, all right? So the, here, here's, here's, here's the real story, okay? We met at 15. We didn't get married till 25. And over the last 20 years, we have been in and out of counseling. But we're still married. We're still committed to one another. We still love one another. And most days, we even like each other. I mean, I think the Hollywood story of young teenagers in love on the tennis courts, falling in love, having this lifelong perfect marriage, would, would be just this great movie. And, and I, want, I want the movie for myself, right? But the reality is, our lives would not bring home an Oscar. Squabbles, arguments disagreements, tension, anxiety, fear, confusion, working through issues. That's not, that's, not a, that's not really a good movie. You don't want to go see that. But the reality is, if you get married one day, that's probably going to be your marriage. I, mean, I want the Hollywood thing for you. I really do want that. The falling in love, no pro I want that for you. But the reality is you're probably going to have to work through stuff, engage one another with difficult conversations, disagree, learn to fight fair, and to be filled with grace. And I want to make sure. You may think if you don't have this perfect marriage, you can't have real love. But you know what? Real love is often messy. It is confusing it is hard, but it can still be real love. And it's this real love we're going to see once again this morning in the book of Song of Songs. Go ahead and turn there. 
Let's see real love in the book of Song of Songs. We're in chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and the content of the song is a growing relationship between a man and a woman who are in love and are going to get married. It's a song. It's a poem. And it's an intimate encounter that includes their desire for one another, and we'll see coming up even their sexual desire. But even in this poetic story of romantic love, there can still be lots of problems and uncertainties, as we'll see today. That's why in this biblical book, we want to always set it in the larger context of the Bible. And so I'll show you this statement each week. I'll put it up for you right now. Song of Songs shows us a romance that celebrates God's gift of love, pleasure, and fidelity, while simultaneously pointing forward to the perfection of love in someone greater than Solomon. Jesus Christ. That's a lot there to put your mind around, but big picture, God and his people in the Old Testament are de- depicted in, in a marriage, and it's Christ and the church in the New Testament. So what I want you to do is I want you to think of this ultimate love of Jesus Christ. That's why we say longing for love, looking to Christ. That's the idea of this series, longing for love, looking to Christ. And, and, and in this, this life, we can have perfect love in Jesus Christ. Now, I want to be real quick here. This is why we keep coming back to the love of Christ, right? We've got to keep coming back to the love of Christ. And the first reason we need to keep coming back to the love of Christ is that singles can experience love. Do not think that if you're single that you're left out of this concept that you can never feel love. You can have love from your family. You can have love for your friends. You can feel love in the church. I don't want you to think that if you're single, your life is absent of love. It may not be romantic love right now, but your life is not absent of love. The second thing I want you to know while we keep the love of Christ central, and the second one is this. Married individuals can experience love. Now, that may seem like a no-brainer, but let me say this. Some of you right now are in loveless marriages. Your spouse does not love you. They don't like you. They don't love you. They kind of, they're roommates with you. You can still experience the love of Christ. For many of our brothers and sisters around the world who may have arranged marriages, maybe that will develop into great and lasting love. And And sometimes it really does. But sometimes maybe, you know, you just don't feel loved. There's still no love there. Even in marriage that feels loveless, you can experience the perfect love of Jesus Christ. And the third reason why I'm going to keep the love of Christ central is that marriages can be transformed by love. If you're here and you're having some issues with your spouse and you may feel completely hopeless, your marriage can be transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. And it's not going to happen overnight. It may take some time. But we believe that Christ sanctifies us, changes us, and if we keep his love central, we can start working and moving through some issues that we need to talk about and we need to deal with. But through this whole series, we have to keep Christ central. All right? Let's start getting into the text and see what we got this morning. It looks like we're going to have some problems here. Song of Songs, chapter 3, verse 1. It's the woman talking. She said, on my bed by night, I sought him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. 
So far in the book, we have seen love bloom between this man and this woman, and they're going to soon marry. Uh, It's not just a book about sex, but it's also a book about love. She loves this man. Notice in verse 1, she says, whom my soul loves. Notice in verse 2, she says it again, whom my soul loves. Notice again in verse 3, she says it again, whom my soul loves. And once again in verse 4, whom my soul loves. Her soul loves him, and his soul loves her. You could say that they are soulmates. And and the soul is a reference to the the whole person. They are not just bodies infatuated with one another. This is not the song, I'm in love with your body. That's not what's going on here. There's something else going on. It's a deeper soul love with their whole beings. All right? They are in love, but sometimes their love can be challenged. As we're going to see a variety of emotions of anxiety and fear and, and confusion. Notice, once again in verse 1, the woman. She says that she is on her bed at night. She's on my bed by night. She's probably having a dream. It could be a reoccurring dream that she keeps having night after night. And in her dream, her fears and her anxieties and her struggles with this relationship are showing up in her dreams. I don't know if that happens to you. Your anxieties and fears keep showing up in your dreams. Uh, I was talking to this guy this week. He said when he was little, he he always thought he'd forget the combination to his locker. And so he would dream and the, the lock would just spin and spin and never open. Uh, I have a reoccurring dream that, uh, that I'm preaching, and I don't have any notes. So I don't know what to say. It's a reoccurring dream. And, and maybe you have that as well. But we can all have these, these, these struggles and, and these desperation that we feel in relationships, and, and it can cause fear and insecurity. So notice in verse 1, in this dream, it says, I sought him. I sought him, but found him not. When we last left this couple in the end of chapter 2, he was pictured as coming to her, ready for intimacy, but since they were not yet married, she sent him away until that big day. But now in her dream, she is seeking and searching for the one whom her soul loves. First, she looks for him in her house. Why would he be in her house? She just sent him away. And plus, that's her mom's house. Why would he be? Dreams are just weird. She seeks him, but she's not finding him. But I do want you to notice that her search and her pursuit is narrow and exclusive down to this one person. He is not one of many options. She may have internal struggles and fears and uncertainties in the relationship, but she is locked in on this guy. She does not have a backup plan. There's no plan B. They're, they're engaged. They're heading to marriage. And in her, her fears and insecurity, she's still locked in on this guy. And I want you to think about that for those of you who are engaged and married. Um, do you always want to keep an out, a plan B, another option? I think about uh, couples who live together before, before they're married. And there's a lot we could say about that, but when couples live together before they're married, basically, they're always keeping the back door open. If things don't work out, just walk out the back door. But sometimes, even in marriage, you can keep the back door open. 
Even those of you who say you're never going to get a divorce, you're going to be married forever, that may be true. But when you start having conflicts and problems with your spouse, you may walk out the back door, and men and women both do this. Men and women can walk out the back door and turn to pornography, still married. Or they can turn to emotional affairs, physical affairs. They're still married. You see, when you have conflicts, you want to make sure that your pursuit is on one person and that it is exclusive. And you may wonder why some of your marriage conflicts will not be worked out. You may wonder, why can't we ever get through these conflicts? It's because the back door's open. When you have a fight with your spouse, you're out. And your spouse knows what you're doing. And you're, why can't we reconcile? Not this girl. She's got a exclusive pursuit of this guy. And just as God pursues us for a relationship, and he wants us to have an exclusive pursuit of him, in the same way in marriage, you pursue one another even in conflict. Keep going. We see that in her exclusive pursuit, she keeps seeking him. She keeps seeking him, and then she can't find him. Now, before we move on, I, I want to do something I rarely do. And for those of you who are new, you may think this is kind of weird. But can I just do that? I want to take a sermon time out. I know I'm only granted one per semester. And so here's my, my, my sermon time out. As I think about this exclusive pursuit, what would exclusive pursuit look like in dating? And we understand the engagement. We understand marriage. But what would it look like in dating? Like if you're, you're dating someone, what does that look like? Can I just ask you a question? Don't raise your hand, please. But do any of you just date to date? Don't raise your hand. Uh, like, you really don't have an interest in that other person, but you just, you don't like being lonely. And so you go on dates. You're like, okay, let's connect. And, but you don't really have any interest in that person, but you don't like to be lonely. It's almost like the friends with benefits in the Christian context. Because in the world, the friends with benefits, you know, sexual connotations, and, and perhaps the Christian's like, okay, we're not going to have sex, but you still use someone else because you're lonely. Someone else is on the other end of that, by the way. When, when, you, when you're doing that, you're, you're hurting someone else. Don't just date to date. But what if you actually like somebody and you're dating and you're like, all right, we're dating and I don't know where we're going, but what are we doing? And I, you talk about exclusive pursuit, you're talking about engagement, marriage, but we just started dating. We're about two, three months in. What are we supposed to do? Okay, it's time for the define the relationship conversation. Little DTR, for those of you who do not know what to say, I'm about to tell you. Guys... This is gold, and you can pay me later, okay? <laughs> I can see some of you guys are, I'm ready, okay, what is it, what is it? All right, I'm going to put it up for you, <laughs> and you're like, email me later. Right. This is what you say to a girl you're interested in, right? This is so good. All right, put it up. Here we go. I don't know if you are the person that God has for me to marry, but I want you to know that you're the type of woman I would enjoy spending my life with. I like being with you, and I'm open to seeing if this relationship goes somewhere. If you want to back out of our dating relationship right now, then that's all right. You owe me nothing but honesty. High, high five, high five, high five, high five. <laughs> that's good, right? Use that one. All right? All right, time in. Let's go back, back to the open. What are we doing? Uh, time in. 
Verse 2, she's going to leave her home. She's going to venture out. Let's see what she does. Verse 2, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the squares. I will seek him whom my soul loves. I sought him, but found him not. It's a dangerous place for a woman to be in the city streets and squares at night. You never know what's going to happen to her. But it's worth it when she says, it's worth it because I want to find the one whom my soul loves. She is taking a risk for love. And we don't want to be afraid to take risks for love. We don't want to be be afraid to have a relationship with someone. And if it gets hard, we don't want to bail. We want to say, okay, I'm going to take a risk here for love. Even when you're dating and you're married, you can bring stuff up and have difficult conversations because you want to take risk for love. Um, As I mentioned before, my wife and I, we have uh, been in counseling in and out of the last 20 uh, years of our marriage, and we've had some good counselors. But we've also had people within this church who have counseled us, and they're all gone now, and I'll mention their names, but you already know them. Um, My wife and I would meet when we'd have tensions with Wendy Klinkner. We would meet with Jerry and Kathy Bogatz. And one time, my wife and I, it was a Monday, we're just, we were not getting along, and, and we, we had this thought. Two doors down, this woman named Karen Ewan was visiting our neighbors. My wife's like, let's go ask her to come over here right now and help us. Now, when you're, when you're in it, right, with someone else, the last thing you want to do is bring someone, someone into it. But that's probably when you need people to help you when you're stuck, so Karen came over, and she helped us work through our stuckness and to become unstuck. But if you're not willing to have those conversations to take risks, then you're going to remain stuck. But that's the way you grow. That's the way you grow, and that's what, that's what we do with God. We want to be open to him. We want to tell him what's going on in our lives, and he, he works in us. He heals us, and we also want that to happen in our relationships. You've got to take this risk for love and for it to grow. She continues to risk it. Look at verse 3. She says, the watchmen found me as they went about in the city. Have you seen him who my soul loves? Now, these watchmen are the ones guarding the city at night, and she wants to know if they found the one whom uh, her soul loves. Now, if this is talking about King Solomon, for whatever reason, uh, they don't know where he's at. They should, because they're supposed to be guarding him, but they don't have a clue. It's a dream. So get this. She's not in the house. She's not in the streets. And she doesn't know where he's at because the watchmen don't know. So basically that is three strikes, you're out. And that love can be painful and hard. And I think one of the hardest things uh, when you have this searching going on and things are not resolving, you can't connect, I think one of the most disappointing problems you have in marriage, and it will hit you early on, if you can make it to the honeymoon without this hitting you, that's great. But you probably won't. Um, that's such good news, right? <laughs> it's the issue of expectations. There's this book. You don't have to read the book. I'll just put up the title for you. It's a book called, uh, What Did You Expect? And you've got to say it like that. What did you expect? Well, you go in and see a counselor. What did you expect? And that's the deal. I mean, most of us, We don't expect perfection in marriage, but at least close to it. And we don't want to be like this woman searching out and pursuing someone over and over again to have difficult conversations. But, you know, that's that's what God does with us. 
God keeps pursuing us and pursuing us. He wants to talk about stuff. He'll pursue you and pursue you. He wants you to grow closer to him. And he wants you to seek him. Think about Jeremiah 29, 13, where he says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. That's the relationship we have with God. And if we're going to grow in our relationship with others, especially our spouse, we've got to pursue one another. Be willing to talk about difficult things and work on stuff. Just keep pursuing. Now her search finally pays off. This is great. Verse 4. Scarcely had I passed them when I found them whom my soul loves. I held them and would not let them go until I brought them into my mother's house and into the chamber of her who conceived me. When she finally finds him, uh, Homer, she, she like clings to him. She's all clingy and, in a good way. And, and she holds him and she's not going to let him go. And then she brings him to her mother's house right to the spot where her mom conceived her. Ugh! That is, what is that? That's, that's really creepy, right? But the point is that, that she is bringing this guy to where she was conceived, and now they're going to form this new family. This is just not random sex with some dude. It's not what that is. This is the one that she loves, that she has a covenant relationship with forever. And the context is, is forming a new family. It's time for a new generation of love. And we know this from the Bible, Genesis 2.24. It says, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now remember, this is a dream. This is something she's dreaming before she's married. And poetically, you can almost think that the, the daughters of Jerusalem are, are asking, okay, you finally found him, and you brought him to where, yeah, your mom conceived you, yeah, okay, and then what, and then what, and then what? They want to know, what? what's happening? And, and then she gives this, this famous comment that we've seen before in verse 5. She says, hold up, hold up, hold up, verse 5. I adjure you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or the does of the field, that you not stir up or awaken love, until it pleases. It's not time for sex. It's not time for intimacy yet. That, that will come in marriage. She doesn't go there. And she doesn't want these, these girls to go there either. She doesn't want love to be awakened or stirred up until it pleases. Now, maybe you're not ready for such a love. Perhaps you have a lot of maturing to do before you enter into that relationship, but maybe you think you're ready. It's time, you're mature, you have the desires, and you're, you're ready for this kind of love. You're ready, you're ready. I always had the vision that I would meet my wife in college, for sure, 100%. Came around to my senior year, and I remember I told you earlier, I escaped to Wheaton to look for Elizabeth Elliott. That's another sermon, by the way. She wasn't there. And so I came back to Arkansas Tech University in Russellville, Arkansas, and it was my senior year, and I'm like, man, I've, I've got to find her. I remember going to church, looking around, is she here? <laughs> going to, you know, campus, is she here? I took this girl out on a date, and I was like, all right, maybe this is the one. But we're talking, I'm like, oh, she is not the one. 
<laughs> like, oh man. And and it was it's it's I was kind of depressed. I was kind of depressed because I wanted love to awaken then. And I graduated and it wasn't gonna wake till later. And that's okay. That's okay. Wait on the Lord. So I'll ask you a question. What's the hardest of these three things I'm about to say? Okay, what's the hardest of these three things? Is it the hardest to find a date, to fall in love, or to sustain love for a lifetime? Is it the hardest to find a date, fall in love, or sustain love for a lifetime? And some of you are like, definitely find a date. That's definitely the hardest one. <laughs> right? Because you don't get past that one. Dude. And then some of you have been dating and you're falling in love. And it's just impossible. It's just not working. But really the hardest one is sustaining love for a lifetime. And as, as, as impossible as that may be seeing, maybe some of your parents, they split. And you think, there's just no way. There's just no way. We need to understand that we believe that what Christ has done in, in reconciling us to him and what he continues to do in our heart, that real love, even in marriage, is possible. Yes, it's messy. Yes, you're going to have to work on stuff. Yes, there'll be a lot of confusion and anxiety. But we believe because what Christ has done in us, personally, he can do the same even in marriages. But you, we, you need to know, we're, we're like here for you. This is a small church, but we are stacked with people ready to help you. If you're, uh, maybe you're just kind of dating and you think, oh, maybe I should get engaged. We have people here that will mentor you. Maybe you are engaged, heading to a marriage. We have people here that will mentor you. Maybe you are married, married and you're having issues. We have people here who will meet with you and mentor you. Take advantage of that. We also have FBOW groups for women, for better or worse, where they can get together and encourage one another and sharpen one another through their issues. And for the first time ever, we're finally starting groups for, for engaged men and married men called 525, based on Ephesians 525, where you can get together with other men and encourage and sharpen you. I know in marital conflict, that can be one of the most hopeless feelings. I have felt it. You feel that desperation, you go to a counselor or some friends, but I have felt that hopelessness in marriage. And many of you may be there right now. You need to know, because what Christ has done in reconciling you to the Father through faith, filling you with his spirit, there could be hope of transformation even in your marriage. Even in your marriage. And it may not look like the Hollywood thing that you want it to look like. It may be a mess. But you know what? It can still be a beautiful mess. It can still be real love. Because the reason real love is possible is because of the transforming, perfect love of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, I, I sense that one of the uncomfortable things going on in this room right now is those, those here who are married who are having problems. I, I think maybe some couples are here right now and they had problems just this morning getting to church with one another, their kids, it's conflict, and they hear a message like this and they're not quite sure what to do. I ask that they would take initiative, Lord, that you would make their hearts take initiative to talk to one another, to take a risk and to talk to others, 
people in this church who can love them, that they would take a risk for love. And Lord, I also want to pray for um, those in here who are, are not married, and some are totally fine with that. Others are not. Some are lonely. Some are doing things they shouldn't be doing. I just ask that you would show them and, and married people that you are sufficient, you are enough, and we can have real love in you. And the love we have in you, Jesus, is the love that also transforms us and our relationships. May we believe that. May we trust you. And may we walk in your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.